Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Aaron. And I'm Damien. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work for social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want interdependent study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Damien, you are up this week. So what do you have for us at the table today? Yes, I am. All right. So I have brought a documentary to the table for us today. It is called My Name is Polly Murray. And it actually debuted back in September and can be found on Amazon Prime if folks want to check it out, which I would definitely encourage folks to do because I think it was really fascinating and informative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this film is all about the personal and professional life of Polly Murray, who had many identities and professions and, and callings, if you will, Polly was a non-binary black poet, author, lawyer, activist, priest, uh, and overall real trailblazer who I think as this documentary does a really good job in highlighting has just been largely overlooked in the context of all that they accomplished and contributed in terms of the advancement of some real critical social justice and, and human rights issues in this country. You know, we learned in this film, how Polly is credited in some ways, but I think is not given enough credit for their work and their leadership and activism and really for their influence on some of our most prominent lawyers and and scholars and and activists uh, throughout history and even in our present day. And we also learned a lot about Polly as a person right? And some of their struggles as well. And so, you know, again, I think it was a really fascinating and incredible film. Um, and it was amazing to learn about Polly Murray because I think it's a real shame that for me, this was the first I had ever heard the name Polly Murray, mm-hmm. let alone all that they've accomplished. And so I'm, I'm really glad we watched this film. I'm excited to uh, have brought it to the table for us and to, to chat with you about it. So yeah. yeah, where do you want to start? You know, have you, I'm assuming you haven't heard of Polly Murray before this too, right? Uh, no, I had not. Um, I had not heard uh, of Polly Murray before watching the documentary. Yeah. Um, and I was really just sort of amazed at all of the things that they accomplished in their life. Yeah. Um, lots of which you named just now, um, right? That sort of list. Um, but we'll get into a little bit more of that. But I think it's really remarkable as they lay out, uh, as you said, all the ways that Polly Murray has influenced our world. Yeah. Um, there are lots of things that we now don't think about or that we take for granted Mm -hmm. um, that they had to fight through um, in their life and offer, uh, you know, sort of new ideas or find new ways, new paths to address the barriers that they were facing, Yep. um, you know, to to try to get through those barriers for their own ambitions, Mm -hmm. um, whatever those might have been at at that moment uh, in their life. So, you know, they also connected with powerful people like had a friendship with Eleanor Roosevelt. Yeah. Um, because they wrote letters to FDR and Eleanor started to respond. Um, yep. And so there's just so much in their life that they uh, did uh, and also things that they had to sort of uh, overcome or, 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 or that challenged them. Um, yeah. So I'm just grateful that 
I've heard this some of this story now through this documentary um, and that they hopefully continue to receive some recognition for all that they've done. I mean, now they ha- there's a uh, what, a residential college at Yale named yeah. after them, which was talked about in the documentary. Uh, there's a center about them in um, the Polly Murray Center is in Durham, North Carolina. Yep. Um, so there there is some recognition sort of, I guess, developing yes. uh, for what they've done. But um yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely not a, a story a name that I think is all that um, prevalent in I guess the sort of uh, education system we have. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I think yeah, recognition is a great word. Well yeah. overdue recognition, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, so I I agree with that. I I hope this documentary is, uh, you know, spawns some more attention to the name Polly Murray. And I, I, again, I was fascinated by this film. I really, I think I was just amazed at the capacity of Polly Murray, if that makes sense, right? And all of Polly's accomplishments. And I, and I definitely want to highlight some of those here, but, I, but I'm particularly, and I think especially amazed when I sort of juxtapose that with all that we learn about Polly in this film uh, and how much they struggled internally, just trying to live and and be and and become their authentic self because so much of that presented or or really contributed to Polly's mental health struggles right Mm -hmm. and so I think so much of this documentary is sort of a behind the scenes or or in-depth look at those struggles and so I think I was just really moved by the amount of strength that Polly had in navigating their world and and accomplishing so much and 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 fighting for social justice in the midst of all of that, right? And then I think alongside of all of that, I, and I think most impressive, if I were to say so myself, was Polly's dedication to this issue of, of human rights at all costs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I loved hearing from, we got to sort of meet a number of folks over the course of this documentary. And um, so many of them talked about how when you really look at the the totality of all that Polly didn't accomplish, right? And it's it's easy to see how Polly was truly ahead of their time. Um, How Polly spoke up and confronted discrimination and engaged in activism when there was really great risk to do so, right? And really great personal risk to do so. And and how Polly was really just instrumental in so many of the freedoms that so many of us enjoy today, right? I think all of that is so huge. And so, you know, again, I think we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about this and all that Polly did in more detail, but I sort of wanted to out the gate name the strength and the courage that Polly had because it was, I think that was one of the things that I took away from this. It was really inspirational to me and I think it could be for others as well. Yeah. I think the, um, I mean, you know, you talked about sort of the mental health pieces of this, the documentary really spends some time on, uh, their struggle with their gender identity. Yeah. Um, as well as some about their sort of sexual identity um, and how much difficulty or, or psychological pain that created for them living in the time that they did. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was that was a big piece of their story. Um, but also they were apparently writing sort of relentlessly. Mm. Um, and that struck me as well, that they're always working towards something. Yes. Um, they're always... Um, there's always something else to do. Uh, and so at the end of the documentary, they're talking about um, their rush to make sure that their um, memoir was done 
uh, because they knew that they were dying from uh, cancer. Yeah. Um, and so that that was that was clear at the end, um, but also seemed pretty clear throughout. Um, you know, in the documentary, mentioned a few times that they reacted to situations or moments um, by creating something, whether yes. that was a letter to FDR um, in sort of this righteous indignation yes. um, against what he said about uh, he said positively about uh, the University of North Carolina that had just rejected Polly because um, on the basis of race um, or, you know, responding by writing a poem. Yeah. Um, and so I felt really connected to them in the, in that um, way of trying to make sense of the things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, this makes sense of the things that don't make sense yeah. um, by doing something creative or finding some creative channel to um, process that uh, rage or, or uh, anger through. Absolutely. Yeah. It was like sort of that was their their outlet, right? Their yep. channel, yep. right? And the way in which they approach things. And I, yeah, there was a lot of conversation around the letter to FDR, right? And obviously the letters to uh, his wife, Eleanor, right? But also, you know, there were letters when they were denied tenure too, right? And, mm-hmm. and so there was just a lot of writing. And so I, I think you're not alone in sort of having to, having that same connection to Polly right. around um having that kind of an outlet to deal with what's going on. And sometimes that outlet is just for you. And sometimes that outlet is for uh, the greater good. Uh, yeah. And so much of what Paulie did, I think it was for the the greater good. And so I, you know, and so much of that had to do with the work that Paulie did to advance human rights in this country. Right. And so that was so much of this documentary too. And, and really, I think the most significant piece of it that I loved, you know, one of the early stories we learned about, and I think was instrumental in igniting some of this activism and and fight in Polly was the the Petersburg, Virginia bus incident uh, that Polly was a part of with their friend. And this was a whole fifteen years before the more famous Rosa Parks Parks bus incident that we all know about, right? Um, mm-hmm. Polly and their friend were on a public bus traveling for the Easter holiday. I think I don't know if they were traveling to or from. It was Polly's. Uh, aunts that they were visiting for for easter and you know this was the 19 this was 1940 and mm-hmm. so in virginia and so there was a there were segregation statutes in play right and so you know that meant that black folk had to get up and get to the back of the bus yeah they were traveling from new york city to new to york north city. to durham yes. north carolina and so i think it was uh when they crossed into virginia yes they had to, to end up the moving. bus stopped yeah. and the driver announced that right yeah and, you know, so that happened and the bus driver insisted that they move seats and the only available seats to them were broken. And so Polly and their friend refused, right? We're not going to sit in broken seats. Like these are the only seats available. They are broken. We're not moving, right? Mm-hmm. Which, uh, spoiler alert, of course, landed them in jail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think while ultimately Polly and their friend, you know, they so they they went on to meet with lawyers from the NAACP, including Thurgood Marshall, who, of course, is a name we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they it took their case to the courts. They didn't actually win that case. Right. And they did have to s- serve a, a small sentence. But I think the the documentary pointed out how this incident and this legal battle were huge in terms of giving Polly this drive to want to overthrow segregation laws. I think they had it before this, but they certainly, you know, through this personal experience, um, it was even, even more so in them now to, to do something about it. Uh, you know, and I think, and sort of moreover, right. I think they, they ignited 
this passion in Polly to work to advance human rights in this country, right? We saw that passion continue in the face of other challenging and, and awful situations, right? Like when Polly was rejected from both UNC and Harvard because of, of racial and gender discrimination. And, you know, we learned about how Polly used those personal experiences in law school and in their, their legal career to write position papers and, and arguments yeah. that ultimately helped to change laws in this country, right? Mm-hmm. And is still influencing work being done to combat discrimination in this country, right? Like, I just think that's so incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, The and the thing that, one of the pieces that was interesting to me about the court case in Petersburg uh, was that the judge could kind of sense that segregation um, was a uh, uh, was the point of the lawsuit? Yes. Um, and fighting it on the on the grounds of it being unconstitutional was um, a piece of it. Yeah. Um, and so didn't want to set any precedent or or give any sort of um, leeway into that argument. Uh, and that judge actually dropped the segregation charges, um, yes. which is part of why. Um, you know the 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 outcome of the course was uh, of the case was what it was um, because they were charged with and found guilty of disturbing the peace. That's what it was. Um, yeah. And so that that was an interesting like legal loophole where the judges, I guess, I guess the word is savvy enough, I was savvy enough um, yeah. mm-hmm. to be like, oh, this is not about right. Like this is more than what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're you're now just facing disturbing the peace charges. Um, So it's interesting the ways that, right, like uh, systems of white supremacy find ways to uh, help themselves manage their way through it. Absolutely. um, To to continue uh, in different different ways. Right, and to continue to sort of assault black bodies, right? Right. And and control black bodies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think the, another piece of it that you also alluded to, um, was sort of the position paper thing. Um, and this anecdote about how they wrote uh, a paper in the Mm forties, um, while in law school, arguing that the 14th amendment actually prohibited the separate, separate, but equal doctrine. Um, and that actually influenced Marshall and his team of lawyers in Brown v. Board of Education Yeah, because Marshall was then a legal professor at Howard, where Polly was uh, studying law, um, and they wrote a paper about it. And you know, when they wrote it, it was actually a line of thinking that went against the sort of common way of thinking about segregation at the yep. time and, and challenging segregation. Um, you know, the thinking of the time was about making separate but equal actually equal rather than separate but unequal yeah um and they said well no like the separate is always going to be unequal yes. um, so we have to overturn all of it uh and there's a pathway to do that in the 14th amendment yeah um and so you know that their point was we have to overturn plessy versus ferguson um, which established a legal pathway for segregation in the u.s um and then that's what marshall did years later <laughs> um and they uh one of their professors told the story that yeah, we consulted your paper when we were like thinking about our argument um, for the Supreme Court. Um, and so that really helped them accomplish that. Um, so that I thought that was remarkable, right? Yes. That, you know, they weren't present physically, mm-hmm. but their ideas and their arguments were present um, 
in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, that the, which, the the one professor talked about how we we see this iconic picture. We all know this iconic picture of Thurgood Marshall standing outside yeah, of the Supreme right. Court, right? But in any in none of those pictures do we see Pauli Murray, right? Right. They weren't there, but yeah. their ideas and their work, as you as you say here, right? Right. Were influential in that. Yeah, um, and then another piece of their law school experience that I wanted to to bring up that was really just impressive to me um, is they were part of a group of students um, that desegregated a lunch counter uh, on U Street in yeah. D.C., um, which only served white people despite it being a black neighborhood. Yeah, um, and they so they did a sit in, and then the owners relented, and they um, you know desegregated U Street in that particular lunch counter. Yeah. Um, so there, and that was again in the '40s. Yep. Um, well before sort of Brown v. Board had uh, had had uh, led the way for more desegregation across the country, um, slowly, but it happened. But it happened right? legally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So right again, this activism is impressive. You know, this doing this work before their time, right? And mm-hmm. you know, as I mentioned earlier. Um, just so impressive. And, you know, again, all of this, the the examples you you gave are incredible, right? Incredible examples of that. But it's even influencing things that are happening today, right? Yeah. So this documentary also featured a lawyer from the ACLU talking about how just last year, in 2020, the ACLU won their Supreme Court case prohibiting discrimination against LGBTQ people, right? Yep. And how they used Pauli's work to do that, right? And so... Pauly's influence knows no bounds. Yeah, it's con- it continues. It yeah. continues, which is incredible. Um, and actually, you know, you just sent me a recent tweet, uh, and actually Twitter thread, if I, if uh, is really what it was, from our our good friend Nicole Hannah Jones. Hey, Nicole, we know you're listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, which featured a a picture of a book, right? That was a survey of race laws here in the United States. And it's by the one and only Polly Murray. Yeah. And the thread, sort of the context of this was um, the this ongoing and really senseless war that's being raged against critical race theory, right? And like Nicole Hannah-Jones sort of goes off, right? Um, but the thread starts with a picture of this book. And, and Nicole is reading this book from Polly Murray. And so, you know, when I, when I think about all of this, I, I just think about how the power and influence of Polly and their work to both... Yeah, advance human rights and and to continue to educate us to this day is really just undeniable. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I think um, that tweet also was just really serendipitous, right? Because <laughs> I, you know, was just on uh, on Twitter uh, scrolling at, as I was about to watch the documentary, and I was yeah. like, um, I'm about to watch a documentary about the person who I guess authored this giant book of laws yeah. um, that that indexed race laws in the u.s um yeah and i was also um i thought it was so great that the aclu um lawyer who was in the documentary um used polly's line of argument uh in that recent case about prohibiting discrimination against lgbtq folks uh and then i think cited them in in the in the actual case in the the sort of documentation that goes along with the law which i think is huge yeah yeah, so the legacy that they have is is amazing, mm. um, especially when you take another facet of their story. You take into account that they were one of the founders of the National Organization for Women, yeah, uh, which continues to do amazing work today with 550 chapters across the United States. 550, 550 chapters wow. in every state and in D.C. So um, that is a wide-reaching influence yeah. 
in and of itself on top of then influencing sort of Brown v. Board and yeah. and more things and encouraging um, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg to have yeah. a seat at a table. I don't remember with, the with details. Now. Yeah. With, with now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, yeah, there's a lot um, there. There's so um, much there. That, that they established sort of a foundation for upon which um, a lot of changes have been made um, to this country. Wow. Well done. I mean, just the yeah. idea of of now, right? The National Organization of Women. Like, had Polly just been a part of now? Right. What an impressive career that would be. Right. Like, feather in the cap, right? Right. But no, you did all these other things right. on top of that. Yeah. You went on, you were a lawyer, mm-hmm. um, wrote poetry. You uh, founded now, co-founded now with dozens of other yes. women. I forget. It was 20 some. 20 something. Okay. Yeah. Um, and also then, you know, close out life. your life uh, by deciding to become an Episcopal yep. priest. Yes. Um, and yeah. Uh, and then changed. That was part of a change too. Yeah, is that there had not been any women um, ordained as as ministers. Yeah, um, and so she was the. They were the first um, black female presenting uh, priest in the Episcopal Church too. Incredible. Um, yeah, and I loved hearing them talk about that. Right, and the sort of the influence that they yeah. could have, sort of one on one, and in those personal relationships with folks in the church. Right, and talking about. Um, this work, right, and advancing human rights in this way, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that is a career. That mm-hmm. is that is incredible. Right. So, yeah, Pauli Murray, in- incredible. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk a little bit about application now. Um, you know, we talked about this earlier, but I, I was really drawn to the connections that Pauli made between what workers experienced and felt during the automobile worker strike of 1937 and what black people experienced and felt in this country at the time. I, I, I really resonated with Pauli's thoughts around the concepts of freedom and dignity being at the heart of that strike. And, and I think those concepts are at the heart of many similar movements and, and how those are similar concepts that resonated when thinking about what it meant to be a black person in this country. Mm-hmm. And And that was why the fight for social justice and human rights, especially for black people, was so important to Pauli. And I think later on in their career, we know that Pauli felt the same way about that for women in terms of sex and gender discrimination, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's some great application in there, right, in terms of how our individual humanity and our collective humanity and our sense of of dignity and freedom and respect are all so tied to why this work is incredibly important. And I think we have to center or we need to continue to center that in our conversations and in this work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, one of the things for me that I was really struck by um, was Brittany Cooper talking about mm-hmm. Polly's in-betweenness yes. uh, and their ability to see boundaries and see the limitations of those boundaries. Um, you know, and this whole documentary was really a- about them using life experiences as a piece of analyzing the world and the systems around them. Yes. Um, so, right, getting rejected from UNC at one point in their life uh, based on race and then going to Howard for law school, um, graduating at the top of the class, which earned them admission to a master's of law program at Harvard, only to be rejected because they were identified as a woman. Yeah. Um, mm. 
And so I think this really, for me, makes me think about how our personal experiences um, are a reflection of the systems around us um, and how if we really think about our own stuff, our own experiences, we can find places to make change, even in our own sort of spheres of influence, even if those are small, um, they can ripple out in a larger way than we may ever know. Um, you know, and what, one of the other things I want to say, as I tripped up on, on, uh, using different pronouns for poly just a minute ago, um, is that in the documentary, they talk about, um, sort of, uh, poly, never having used they pronouns themselves yeah. uh, in their life. Um, but maybe today that might've been their thing because they talked about um, sort of gender nonconforming kind of ideas yep. um, in their own personal kind of work and, and papers yes. that were collected and are archived. Um, and so that um, is a piece. And in the documentary, there are people who use she for Polly and people mm-hmm. who use they. Um, for the most part, we chose to use they here yes. um, on the podcast today. Um, but that is a, a piece of of this in-betweenness too um, that was named uh, in the documentary of you know, being identified as a woman, but not necessarily feeling that they yep. were yeah. um, fully a, a woman, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, so, and I think I was, yeah. I, I was compelled by particularly, you know, right. You're saying that Polly never sort of used those pronouns, right? Right. Sort of maybe ahead of the time in that way. Right. Um, or before their time, I should say. Right. But we saw some of their writing, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, to their, um, you know, their partner at the time, right, or to doctors, right? And so we got to see some of their own words. And so that's why I sort of agree with, and I can't remember, you know, which person who was featured in the documentary. There's a couple people who 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 said, they would would use they. um, uh, And I I sort of felt that way too. So I'm glad you acknowledged that. I'm also glad you brought up Professor Brittany Cooper, because there were times throughout the documentary where honestly, I was like, I want to be in (laughs) Professor Cooper's class. Yeah, Uh, I I very much so enjoyed Professor Cooper. and sort of the the ways in which she was interacting with her students in the lecture and talking about Polly Murray. And I'm 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 glad that she is talking about Polly Murray and teaching her students about Polly Murray. And you mentioned earlier the at Yale, right? They have the Polly Murray residential college, right? Yes. And yeah. so those students are doing some in, incredible work to to read Polly's work and analyze it and talk about what it means uh, today. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad this legacy of of Polly Murray lives. Yeah. Shout out to Brittany Cooper at, at Professor Crunk on Twitter if you want to follow Professor Crunk. Yes. Wait a minute. Let me follow yeah. right when we're done here. Yeah. Uh, that, that's my homework. Let's shift over to homework. <laughs> so that's homework piece number one. Um, <laughs> Professor Crunk, what a name. I got I to gotta get a cooler Twitter handle. <laughs> uh, so for me, in addition to following Professor Crunk, I definitely want to continue to learn more about Polly Murray. You know, mm. um, as I, as I mentioned, this documentary was my first introduction to Polly and all that they did to advance social justice and, and human rights in our country. But I know that there's so much more to learn. I mean, the like I said, I, I need to enroll in the Polly Murray Residential College at Yale yeah. to do so. <laughs> um, and so I definitely want to spend some time doing some of my own research into their life and their work for sure. You know, we, we, we learned in this film how much of a prolific author and poet Polly was. And so I yes, definitely want to see if I can find some of their work to read, because I think some of it might just be, I mean, some of the poems that were, uh, what would you call it, like transitions mm-hmm. uh, throughout the documentary. Uh, I loved them. Yeah. So I want to, I just want to read some of that. 
Um, we also heard from uh, Dolores Chandler, who was a former coordinator of the Polly Murray Center that you referenced earlier yep. in this film. And so, and of course, uh, obviously, if I hadn't heard of Polly Murray, I hadn't heard of the Polly Murray Center. But it's a real place, as you said, in Durham, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I know they have a great website, so I want to dig into their website, see what kind of information and education they can they can offer as well. So, uh, lots of homework this week. Yeah, so I'll co-sign all that. Sounds like great homework. Great. I'll just add a couple things myself. Um, so I agree. I want to. I want to read a little bit of their poetry. So specifically, yeah. that's what I want to look for. So the film did feature some of their poetry, as you as you mentioned, throughout the documentary, um, and I and it was moving yeah. um, in in a lot of ways um, because, as I said earlier, I feel like they challenged frustrations or. Um, anger or um, sadness and mm-hmm. and um, sort of grief um, through that creative work and through poetry. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I want to I want to visit some of that, revisit some of it, I guess, from the from the film. Um, and I also want to go back and read uh, the original purpose statement for the National Organization for Women mm. um, that Polly co-wrote with Betty Frieden. Um, so I, I do want to go back and and read that just to see like what did you lay out as a vision um, for this organization that is now fifty five years old wow. I think yeah something like that something like that um, because clearly you 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 created a roadmap for an organization that has now grown to have five hundred and fifty chapters yeah. uh, across all the states and the and DC uh, in the U S so that that's you know remarkable. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And also, let's uh, get statehood for D.C. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since you've said that twice, it's popped into my head twice. Uh, All right, Aaron, my friend, you are up next. What are you bringing to the table in our next episode? I am going to bring an interview um, from Kianga Yamada-Taylor to the table. Okay, Um, It was published on a website called Public Books um, just last month in October uh, of our year 2021. (laughs) That's where we currently are. Yep. and it's a discussion about a whole lot of things that are going on sort of right now. Um, but I think this quote uh, towards the beginning of the article kind of sums it up. So I'm, I want to use this to introduce it. While the country is struggling with incoherent and inadequate responses to the COVID-19 crisis, far-right terrorism, and an ever-growing housing crisis, local organizers and activists are building networks of community care to meet the needs created by decades of neoliberal policies that have abandoned cities. We talked about what it would take to extrapolate from these local efforts, rebuild public engagement and cooperation on the left, and moved toward the kind of social transformation that we need. Mm. So that's from the beginning. That's kind of what sets the stage for the conversation, um, the kind of introduction piece of the of the article. Um, so I'm looking forward to talking about all of that um, right here next week. Absolutely. That sounds fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. So with that, we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. You know what we want you to do, but in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating and review, share our podcast with the people in your life. Follow us on social media and sign up for our email list to get notified of any new and exciting things we've got going on behind the scenes. Yes, thank you so much for listening. Remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. And we'll talk to you next week.